Undisciplined play cost the Leafs in game two, and they now head to Tampa with the series tied at ones. We're not too worried about it, though. We'll explain why on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. We got a special guest also on the podcast today. It's Tony Ferrari. This guy does everything. Sports Illustrated, writes for Elite Prospects. He's doing it all at this point, uh, but he's also a big-time contributor here on the Locked On Podcast Network and love to have him here chatting Leafs after the, the Leafs take an L here in Game 2. They took an L. 5-3 uh, was the final. Um, and just a reminder that uh, Locked On Leafs, daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get these podcasts from. You can also check us out now through video version on YouTube. Uh, boys, uh, it, it could have been a lot worse at one point. It seemed like uh, this game was really getting away from them. It was 5-1, but ended 5-3. Did you like the fight towards the end to kind of claw back into it and show just that they're not ready to roll over here to the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs? Yeah, it was nice to see because I think after we watched Toronto kind of take over the game and beat Tampa down pretty pretty solidly in, in game one, Tampa's way to fight back was to get physical, get and get dirty after the whistle, start scrums, keep going after guys and stuff like that. Whereas the Leafs decided, you know what? We're going to play our game. We're going to continue pushing. You're going to play the trap. We're going to try to dump it in behind you and get in there and be a forechecking team. And they did a pretty good job of that fighting back in the third period. So I think you take the first period where you dominated, what, 19 minutes and 58 seconds, I felt like they were really much better the team yeah. until the last couple seconds. And then you had a good third period. The second period got away from you and move on. Like, it wasn't as bad as what Tampa's loss was, so you're in a five-game series now. Yeah, ultimately, I think really what did them in was was themselves. Like, yeah. I, I think coming into it, a lot of Maple Leaf fans, I mean, you can look at it and say, yeah, Tampa's a really good team, but it, it, the Leafs may be their biggest boogeyman at this point. Like, they always seem to kind of shoot themselves in the foot, and Wayne Simmons very, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it was uncharacteristic because it kind of was on par, but he was extremely undisciplined tonight, and it came back to bite them. They ended up scoring three goals on the power play, complete opposite of what we saw happening in game one, where the Toronto PK was legitimately better than the power play of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, not the case tonight. They made some adjustments, and they clearly were moving the puck around with a lot more uh, ease, a lot quicker, and they ended up scoring goals and twice, twice. Uh, Wayne Simmons had a seat in the penalty box as he watched goals go into the back of the net, and neither of those penalties were worth taking. They were both after the whistle and had no no reason for that to happen. There and it took away a lot of momentum. You know, yeah. they get Leafs get the goal from Bunting, make it two one. What happens later? They Simmons takes that penalty and it's three one Lightning. Like you, you don't. It's it's all about time, and that, I, that's what disappointed because Simmons is a veteran; he should know better. But clearly, he feels like the need to have to, you know, let the Lightning know that hey, 
I'm I'm around here. I'm gonna be a you know a pain in the rear. And unfortunately, when the the calls have been are tough to judge in the game like this, don't give the refs a reason to to put their, to take the whistles out. Like they they were not calling a lot of things during this game, but you're gonna give them reasons if you're gonna go and do that extracurricular stuff when the other guy isn't even engaging either. That's the other part too. It's more so Simmons pushed the agenda. It wasn't that the Lightning were were forcing Simmons to you know, take these undisciplined uh, shots. Seven penalties tonight by the Maple Leafs. Seven penalties. That can't happen going forward into game three. Yeah, you and the, the one interesting thing I found, too, is early in the game, it was Tampa taking the penalties. It was Maroon getting in on the goalie. Yeah. It was uh, the, the too many men penalty where I think they had seven guys on the ice, actually, which was kind of, I, kind of I don't funny. Think, I don't think I've seen a, like, a too many men call. Typically, it happens, like, right around the bench, right? Someone's late yeah. to get off and someone hops on or something like that. There were six guys legitimately engaged in play. Like, someone just hopped on the ice and didn't even look to see if anyone came off. It was just like, all right, I'm going on just for fun. It yeah. was that blatant. It's like six guys all in the defensive zone, and it's just like, what the hell were you doing? Like, yeah, and and that's just it, right? So Tampa was started the game off undisciplined, and then there was Maroon getting in on guys, and Corey Perry getting in on guys, and and the rest were pulling guys out, and they pulled out Maroon, they pulled out Perry, and Simmons had to have seen that and been like, all right, they're gonna call this game. I don't need to be that extra piece of crap. I don't need yeah. to to go in there that extra few times after after the whistles and everything. You see them pulling out guys. Don't be the guy they pull out. And Simmons just put himself in position to be pulled out every time. Let's also not uh, like let's. We got to give so much credit to this game for this turnaround to uh, Andre Vasilevsky because, like, like you said, they took a lot of penalties early in the game. That could have been a two-three-one yep. game, three-nothing game going into the intermission. If you know Hedman doesn't score with the second left, that easily could have been. But Vasilevsky made some big-time stops um, to to really keep that team in it. And like, if that would have been a two, three, nothing game after the first period, it's probably curtains, right? You're starting to see what reminiscent of what game one could have been. Um, but obviously it didn't. And we all knew it was coming, didn't we? Like all day yesterday and today. Um, I know that I was at least on a lot of our stations on our show. We were talking about this yesterday, Dave, the stat line of Andre Vasilevsky following a playoff loss, 14 and 0, five shutouts, a 966 save percentage. That Andre Vasilevsky came to play today. The one save that I still kind of can't really fathom that he was able to get that off was the one on Timothy Lilligren. I don't know about you guys, but I was already like getting ready to tweet, oh, Lily ties the game, and just an absolute robbery with the glove, like a la Patty Wah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's here to play today. I was surprised that they were actually able to score three on him because he was so dialed in early in that game. I think that's that's the the thing there, right? He was so good, and yet three goals wasn't even enough in this game. Like the Leafs needed more, and he's just like, ah, you know what? Like he he it was the timely saves he made. Like if Lilligren scores on that shot, I think it's a different game personally because you know the Leafs are it's it's one one. You know they kind of get a little bit of that confidence back that was kind of taken away from them at the end of the first period with that Headman goal. So. You you put you put yourself tied there. You keep the pressure on the lightning, and I, and Vasilevsky obviously did his part. But I felt like the Leafs at times kind of got away from that, especially in that second period. We they didn't get as much of that pressure on Vasilevsky. 
after the Lightning took the lead. And that's that's the thing that the Leafs are going to have to figure out going forward because that's that's playoff hockey. You're going to have the bounces go against you. You're going to have things. You're, it's going to get tough for you. Can you find a way to not have those lulls and then totally lose the momentum and then find yourself down, you know, a, a few goals and having to make a late comeback? So, Tony, let me ask you this. Uh, we, we chat a lot game one about how things went so wrong for Tampa Bay. But two things can be true. Toronto also played one of the most complete best games that they had. A result of that is a 5 nothing butt kicking. Um, but that was not the case tonight. What to you stood out in what Tampa was able to do to combat Toronto's play and come through with the victory tonight? I think the biggest thing Tampa did was score first. I think that's such going to be such a big deal in this series because you th- see what both of these teams can do when they have the lead. I think both these teams know that you got to put the pressure on, you got to keep forechecking, you got to keep pushing and trying to score. And that's why we see a game go five nothing and five three because when Tampa went up three one, it wasn't like they were like, all right, we're just going to sit back and, and, and relax. They continued pushing, they continued playing, and and then defensively they were able to continue going back into the trap and enforcing the least to dump and chase and hopefully get the puck, make 50-50 battles that way. And with Tampa's the big defenseman, they can win those battles a lot of times. And that's not to say Toronto's not good at that because Toronto is one of the best forechecking teams in the league statistically. So it's going to be a really interesting battle to see if who can score first because I think that's going to play a big role because, like I said, either of these teams get up, they're able to kind of continue pushing their play and forcing the other team into their exact style that they want to play. Do you think we could say that the Maple Leafs actually won that game at five on five? Like to me, I thought they actually did. I thought they they outplayed Tampa at five on five. It was just on the on the penalty kill, those three power play goals that Tampa scored. I mean, that's the difference in this hockey game, right? Well, yeah. the power play goals, but the Corey Perry goal was just you know a bad change. He got behind the defense and he get and he scores on the breakaway. Like it wasn't like Tampa was cycling the puck well at five on five. They weren't getting a lot of offensive zone time at five on five it was power play and breakdowns like that's one this was a pretty low event game um only 12 high danger chances according to natural statric between the two clubs um so like it was it's low event like tampa had led in expected goals in 1.82 at five on five you would expect for you know these two offensively driven teams to have a little bit more oomph in their game but I think that just speaks to how, like, this is truly playoff hockey. And it was so hard to to fight to get into the middle middle of the ice tonight. And that's where I think this, the game is won, right? It's won in the trenches. And both sides defensively did a pretty good job of limiting each other, of getting inside. And um, I think that's ultimately, if Toronto does want to break through and, and get a win in Tampa, that's something they got to do a little bit more of. Get inside, get into the slot, try and get a couple of rebounds and score a couple of greasy goals. We've yet to see like a greasy goal out of the Maple Leafs so far in this series. They've all been kind of plays that they've been able to make. Marner being patient, outwaiting um, Vasilevsky, making a bite twice now on two different goals. Um, you get, you know, big time shots coming from the point or whatever. They haven't gotten that greasy garbage goal like we've seen, like Hedman's goal to, tonight to, to open the scoring right there, like two feet in front of the net. Like that, that type of goal. Is, is often the, the backbreakers in the playoffs, and that's what's cost Toronto in the past, and that's what they haven't been able to do. That's what they brought in Michael Bunting to do. That's what he's here for. That's what guys like Wayne Simmons is for. John Tavares has been a, a massive part of that his entire career. That's been his office scoring right in front of the net. This guy's been rather inexistent uh, 
for a while, to be quite honest with you. Why don't we take a break? When we get back, we can go through our good, our bad, and our uglies and talk about some of the stuff that we liked and didn't like, whether it's plays or it's players, whatever it is. Uh, we can kind of dissect some of the, the things that we saw go on in today's game. But before we do, Dave, watch tell us about our good friends from Athletic Greens. Yes, if you're somebody that wants to improve your gut health and do it without taking a bunch of different vitamins, pills, supplements, why not try one scoop of delicious Athletic Greens? You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help your day start off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, focus, recovery, and aging. All of those things I just mentioned there. So all you need to do is take one scoop of the athletic greens, as I said, and you're going to get a lot of benefits from it. So why should you take a lot athletic greens? It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. You know, which ones we're all talking about there. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all in one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. In 2020, Athletic Greens purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests. For every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry in the U.S. In 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got Dave Morissuti, my co-host here on the Locked On Lease pod. Maple Leafs with a 5-3 loss in Game 2 series. Now tied at 1. We've got a special co-host with us today, special guest. It's Tony Ferrari, one of our favorites here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're uh, breaking down the loss in Game 2 from the Maple Leafs. Uh, why don't we go through... So when we, when we win games, we talk about three stars. When we lose games... The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because there was some good tonight. There was some bad tonight. There's certainly a little bit ugly, especially, uh, you know, after the whistle type of stuff, if you catch my drift. So why don't we go through it? Why don't we talk a little bit positively right now? Let's talk about the good stuff that we uh, that we saw go on tonight. Why don't we start with you, Dave? I'm going to go with uh, Matthews and Marner. They were not invisible when the Leafs needed them to try to spark something. Obviously, Austin Matthews lays a beautiful hit. On, I think it was Ryan McDonough to set yeah. up Marner, who then got it to Bunting. I should actually include Bunting in that. We'll give that line some love there to get that goal. You need to see more of that. That's the style of play I think they're going to have to play, bring more of to be effective in this series because you got to make it tough on Tampa and on that defense. And I, I'm hoping that having success on a play like that gives the Leafs a little more confidence and a bit of a model to follow. Yeah, I also had them uh, as as my good as well. And um, Matthews, to me, too, just a full 200-foot effort tonight. 
like the amount of times that he backchecked and took away scoring opportunities. Um, like there's chances for Tampa to go in on two on ones and Matthews gets on his high horse and really negates those opportunities. So there was a couple of times where he, you know, stood guys up uh, along the boards, a couple of hits, some blocks he also had tonight. And then obviously like that goal that Bunting scored. Yeah. Bunting's going to be the guy on the score sheet who's credited with it. But if Matthews doesn't go in uh, hard on the four check sandwich, um, his guy and then poke the puck. He even had to have the wherewithal to poke that loose puck over to Mitch Marner before McDonough got to it uh, to allow Marner to even get it to, to bunting. So a, a real solid game out of uh, out of Matthews. Then Marner obviously ended up scoring again late in that one. So, you know, those that that line, those guys certainly had themselves a, a real solid game. I think I saw Mitch Marner up to five points in the series, which has already it has already surpassed his entire point totals from last year, the year before that, and the year before that. Not too shabby. He's come to play. It's crazy to think like it's, it's, it means it it just shows how last year kind of seems like a bit of a fluke, right? And what happened against the Cavs there. Cause it just felt like it was more of a confidence thing than it was performance based. This this is this is not a, a duel. He did the same thing in Columbus though, and even in the entire Boston series before that, outside of what was he scored in Game One of that Boston series, and then didn't score again until Game One against Tampa. Went yeah. through two whole playoff, essentially two playoff rounds and six games of one before finally netting a goal. So I don't know if it was a one off here. I'll be honest, there was some definitely some demons in his brain and and. Much like early in the season when the guy went, what, 100 games without a playoff goal or without a power play goal, he got one, and then they started to just come, right? They just started to come, and and now I think he got one goal in the playoffs, and now he's ready to roll. He's got that confidence. You're you're right. It is absolutely a confidence thing. I just think that that lack of confidence was more than just a one-off, but fortunately, he seems to have it back, and that is nothing but a great sign for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's nice to see those two going because you obviously wanted them. And I think one of the other things that kind of played the least in the last couple of playoffs is depth scoring. And uh, just honestly, depth generation of offense, even if you're not scoring, make sure you're not getting scored on. And I think the guy that's exemplified that this entire playoff series has been David Kampf. Like this guy has been incredible this, this playoff series. Like he's doing everything you could want. He's pushing play positively. He's never in his own zone. And when he is, he's not there long because he's, he does exactly what you talked about Matthew's doing, going back there, stripping the puck and moving it back up ice. Um, I was looking at some of the kind of the advanced stats and expected goals in an individual game is always kind of a goofy stat. But it, it's kind of funny that his expected goals for percentage was over 90 percent today in the game. And the, really? only two pla- the only two players that even came close were Marner and Matthews, who were in the 60s. So like the the play generation and play driving he was doing today, whether he had Nylander on his wing or not, whoever he had with him, because there was a little bit of line shuffling. David Kampf was really, really good, and he's been good in the first two games. So you got to keep a guy like that going. And I'm not saying anything about a deep run, but every time a team does go on a deep run, there's always that hero kind of at the bottom of the lineup. And maybe David Kampf can be that for the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, hopefully he can end up being that. Yeah, and the, the crazy part about it is you look at, like, the zone starts. Like David Kampf doesn't take offensive zone uh, offensive zone faceoffs. But he always seems to wind up in the ozone and get chances with him and his line mates, though, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely been incredible. I will say this uh, as we, I guess, transition to the bad. 
Um, the penalty kill for me was bad tonight. You know, it, it really was. And the reason why I transitioned off of David Kampf is because, well, it, it, the whole situation where I don't think he realized that TJ Brody didn't have a stick and he yeah. was like, okay, here, Brody, you can clear this instead of me. I have a great opportunity to clear it, but here you go, pal. Um, Brody did not have a stick and, uh, that allowed, um, you know, them to get the puck back. Headman ends up getting it over to Kucherov. And I think that was what the goal that made it three, one. And, and to me, honestly, it was that the turning point in this game in a way like that silly mistake there. And I am so glad that you specifically are on the podcast today, Tony, because how did this man lose his stick? How did TJ Brody lose his stick, Tony? Uh, I don't know, man. That's like going down to the ice and stuff isn't always super productive. No, right? You end up on your uh, belly, you belly slide, and you lose your stick, and all of a sudden, uh, it ends up costing you a goal and potentially the game. Like that, I legitimately believe that was the turning point in that game because Toronto had come back, bunting scored, made it two one, and then they take a penalty, and then it's three one. Um, I think that was off of Simmons penalty. I want to say afterwards and they make it three, one. And then that was kind of, they just took control a little bit from there and Vasilevsky shut the door as well. So that, that to me, uh, that was a bad play. If I'm talking about a play, um, that was there, but the penalty kill in general and the discipline, you take seven penalties, um, three of them being like after the whistle type of penalties, just nonsense that you don't need to take that come back to bite you in the ass. And you allowed three goals on the on the penalty kill. You know, it's certainly, especially coming off of a night, you did score one. You did get one. So you, you can, you know, Kerfoot gets a little bit of credit for that. But uh, certainly it's it's got to be better. It's got to be more like they saw in game one. So that's that was my bad tonight. My bad had to be John Tavares, unfortunately. I, I'm not one to always, you know, I, I saw some Blue Jays. Oh, sorry, Blue Jays. Lee's fans. There's probably some Blue Jays fans on top in on that as well. Yeah, Jays were, won. They're happy. They're happy. Uh, maybe some of them weren't happy with John Tavares still, considering he didn't exactly like. I didn't notice much of him tonight, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's something that has like that has to change because Matthews and Marner can only do so much against a team like Tampa, who now have guys all over. You know, scoring. You know, when you get Brandon Hagel getting a goal, Corey Perry, it just shows how much you're going to need that depth to really step up and contribute. Because, it, it, and and I'm not even going to bring the contract into this because he's getting paid. He's getting paid. You can't change that. What you can change is trying to get some sort of production, and not just. And I think more so at five on five. I don't know if it's because of who he's playing with. I don't know if he need, if something needs to change there, or maybe he just simply just needs to play better and play to his his style, his game. Yeah, we can we can break that down a little bit more in a, in a moment here, but um, I, I do want to get your thoughts on on that, Tony, and, and maybe that is your bad, but specifically, like if you had to grade Tavares's game tonight, how would you grade it? I think I graded a C minus because. I don't think he was bad. I just don't think he was there really. That was the problem. Yeah. There was no, it's not like he was a part of any bad play that went wrong in the defensive end or anything. And honestly, I don't think he really spent that much time in the defensive end. He just wasn't doing much to create anything offensively. And as you mentioned, maybe there's just a, a need for a lineup change. I know before the playoffs, Keith was kind of flirting with the idea of putting Nylander back on that line. And now that you have Kasha, Kamp, and, and Mikheyev and Engvall, they're all running like they have been. 
maybe you can put that third line back together and move Nylander back up and see if that can kind of get John Tavares going because Nylander is still driving good results, whatever line he's on, even if he's not necessarily finding the net, he's, he's creating chances. John Tavares isn't doing that right now. So maybe you need some more skill on that line. So it's not so much on him because a lot of times being hampered down with a Kerfoot, who's a great transitional player, but he's still kind of lacks in a lot of areas offensively. Um, and then having a guy like Mikheyev on the other side, who we all love and adore, but there's a little bit of the same thing. There's lack of offensive creation there. So getting making it all on John Tavares might be an issue. So I think I think this might be the time that you flirt with, with him and Nylander back together, at least for part of the game. Uh, did you have a different bad that you wanted to address, or did we? Did you kind of? Did we hit the nail on the head there, or is there something else that stuck out to you? Yeah, I think it was just the 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 line changes in general. I think the the kind of mixing and mashing that that Keith did do, it didn't really seem to be like leveling any line up. It was like, all right, we're just kind of inserting pieces at the moment, not really sticking with anything. So I think Keith needs to figure the lines out a little bit, f- figure out what he wants to do with them to kind of get a guy like Tavares going. So I, I kind of put that as my bad because there was kind of a, a bit of weird line shifting in the bottom six that he could probably should have been doing a little bit higher in the lineup. Looks like we had eight different combinations with at least a minute and a half of ice time. So uh, a together at five on five. Yeah. So that just goes to show how, you know, the line uh, line juggling kind of went tonight. All right, why don't we take a break, come back, and we'll get to the ugly tonight. And then we also have some questions from our Discord. Um, we we now have a Discord chat. Dave, why don't you tell uh, the good folks where they could find that and, and how excited we are about that community? Yeah, I was approached by somebody who was saying, hey, are you on Discord? I'm like, no, we're not on Discord. He's like, well, you should get on Discord. Okay. Um, so... Uh, if you're not familiar with Discord, it's a great, great community way to just build a community and chat. I know a lot of you guys in the comments section and a lot of you subscribers do chat amongst each other. So we're trying now to just gain a better following. And another way of doing that is to have everybody working together and helping us in that regard. So I'm going to have we have the Discord will be in the description so you can follow the link there to get into the. Uh, community there and you know we're, we're we're chatting up during post pretty much not 24 7 we got to sleep at some point but we are talking uh all leaves so if you want to get in on that join us on the discord you can talk and this is a great way to get it to talk to us if you have any questions or if you want us to talk about something on the podcast which we will do tonight yeah we got a few questions here from some of our members from the discord that we're going to kind of uh talk about and, and and roll through so we'll do that uh in just a moment and we'll also get to the ugly of today's game but before we do i do want to tell you all about uh one of our good show sponsors and that's bet online betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info find all the latest sport developments league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs major league baseball and this weekend's run to the roses as the kentucky derby is back uh, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Uh, welcome back into the Lockdown Lease Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti, and Tony Ferrari with me here tonight. Uh, Maple Leafs with a 5 3 loss in game two. The series now tied up at one apiece as it heads down south to Tampa Bay. Uh, before we kind of put a quick bow on to game two, went through some good things we liked, some that was bad. What was really ugly, fellas? Tony, tell me, what was so ugly about tonight's loss? 
Well, I'm going to tee up Dave here, and I'm just going to sum up the fourth line in general because they they weren't great. They were really, really bad tonight. They seem to be hemmed in their zone at all times. I, I don't know if – I think Kasha is a perfectly good player, and he should be in the lineup, but I, I don't think he works on that fourth line with Colin Blackwell, and I think Colin Blackwell is a really good player as well who should be on that fourth line, but I'm thinking they need to find out the mix, and I don't know if it's Wayne Simmons or what you need to do to get Jason Spets in there I think would be a really good option right now. So – I think they need to work on maybe shuffling that fourth lineup, but, but man, like they really didn't seem to have their game together tonight. And uh, I think Dave's going to comment on the one guy I didn't comment on that, that on that fourth line. Uh, yeah. Wayne Simmons. Look, I love you, Wayne, but you, you, you let your team down. Um, actually, I was going to pull up his comments cause he did speak to the media after the game. And I wasn't, I wasn't too thrilled with how he, uh, he, he talked about it. Um, I just want to find the. While you're looking for that, I will take. I'll take a moment to actually thank Wayne Simmons because prior to the game, I found a prop bet. Uh, it was either over under half a penalty minute. I handled that thing. It was at plus two fifteen. Thanks, plus thanks for sharing that, Mike. Well, I'm sorry. I probably should have shot you a note there, pal. But plus two fifteen for Wayne Simmons to uh, to take a penalty tonight, and I was looking. Four straight games, this guy's taken a penalty against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three straight games, he's been given a misconduct against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And there was no Kyle Clifford tonight, so he was kind of going to be that line of defense. That was a no-doubter for me, I thought. And then uh, he took that that penalty, and I did actually – I apologize, Dave. I really should have sent it to you. But I sent it to my boy, AK, at TSN. I said, hey, this line's out there. And he's like, all right, I'll put a sprinkle. And he took the penalty, and he sent me a, a text. He's like, let's go, Simmons. And then they scored promptly after. And I was like, yes, uh, damn, that sucks. But, like, at least we cashed in on that bet. <laughs> so thanks for making me a little bit of money by taking those stupid, dumb, freaking penalties. But uh, I'm not going to bet it in game three. So don't do it in game three if you even play. All I'm going to say is I hope he's not in game three, in my opinion. I know that it's harsh. But you can't you can't be putting a team in a bind like that. And this is what he said after the game: We took too many penalties. I think I you was took too many penalties. I think I was a culprit. Two, think? two, they scored two. We lost by two. You think you think no. you're a culprit? No. Like, it's Wayne, man. You were the culprit. Just, yeah. Um, I, I also add one of the other comments he said uh, afterwards. Uh, I don't know if this was to Mike Stevens, but he, he tweeted it out and he's like, I'm a man. I can admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong twice tonight. So we paid for it. And it's like, yeah, like that's pretty matter of fact, man. Like, you well, did. at least he owned up to it. Right. Yeah. Now we can all be happy because, because he owned up to it. Uh, yeah. He, he, he didn't have a good night, but whether it was him taking penalties or he didn't really create much. I didn't notice him doing really anything well tonight had a couple of hits i guess but uh definitely was not as impactful as he was maybe in game one um certainly not at the very in my opinion and uh you know that kind of leads to that was also my ugly by the way but it kind of leads to one of the questions that we have here from the discord so we can kind of get to those right now and it leads perfectly into it magic mitchie magic mitchie uh in the discord wants to know Spezza, Simmons, or Clifford in Game Three? Oh, I don't think you put Clifford back in. Like the guy got no. suspended. How do you reward a guy that got suspended? I don't think you're rewarding him, but like you still want to have an element of physicality in there. No, I mean I, I think it warrants a conversation. And, and plus, if you listen to 
if you would have listened to, to Coach Keith after the game last night and even the next morning, it sounded like if Clifford wasn't suspended, he probably was going to be back in the lineup for game two. Yeah, it sounds like Clifford's probably going to be back in the lineup, so I think he's probably the default answer here. But I would personally like to see a way to get Spets in the lineup. I think you can find a way to get one of those guys in there, but it's going to be tough because Colin Blackwell has been the guy that's really driven play on that fourth line, so you don't yeah. want to take him out. And Andre Kasha feels like a guy that you can't really take out, but if you're not going to put him in a, in a role to succeed with a, a, another some line mates up the lineup that are going to be able to drive play, does he become expendable if you want that kind of the the physical force on that fourth line too? And and maybe you run Spets of Blackwell Clifford on that fourth line and Kasha's out. Um, I think that's an option too, as much as I don't really love the idea of taking Kasha out. I was even thinking Kasha might have to play with Tavares. Like that would yeah. be my ideal guy to move up. But yeah, if if Keith is insistent on having one of Simmons or Clifford, I'm gonna go with Clifford, just because I feel like he, other than that hit, like if you saw what he did in the play before getting in on the forecheck, I think he's probably a little bit better skating. Mm -hmm. Wayne Simmons can provide a little bit more in that regard in the forecheck there. So if he has to have one of them, I would have to take. You're you're kind of taking the you know. You're kind of if you're throwing out a choice, you're gonna have to try to figure out just which one's gonna give you more. I think Clifford is gonna have to be the one. I would just prefer to get Spezza in there because you're gonna need. I I, I think he can at least provide in those moments where you're kind of down. He can be a bit of a spark. We've seen him do it before. Yep. I think you just need to come up with like internally. You kind of have to ask yourself: Do you want to? fire back at Tampa with as much uh, physicality as they're going to fire at you? Or do you want to try and break that down with speed? And to me, that's how I think you're going to get your answer. And speed, skill. We'll call, we'll call it skill. So I don't think Spezza necessarily is a speedster at this point in his career either. So I guess skill, right? So do you want to have the skill of Jason Spezza out there? Or do you want to have the physicality element in Simmons and or Clifford? Or you can even look at it this way, like pick two of four, right? Kasha, Spezza, Simmons, Clifford. Two of them will play, two of them won't. You want to go with speed or you want to go with skill or you want to go with grit. And to me, that's really what uh, what they're going to have to decide. I don't know what the right answer is. I really, really don't. Like I can come up with, with an, um, an explanation for both, but at the end of the day, I – oh, if I really had to get to make an educated guess on which one of those three plays – I'm recording this. I'm gonna. I'm, we're recording this. I'm gonna clip this and put this out here. So Terry, Terry, <laughs> I, Terry. I, I think Spezza gets back in. I do think Spezza gets back in just because he hasn't played yet. And I think uh, what Dave was kind of alluding to, he, he can bring a different element to the lineup, and maybe like that on ice presence could help get that fourth line going a little bit. So I'll go with Spezza. So like a, a Blackwell. Uh, Spezza Kasha line perhaps could be could be the fourth line or maybe a Kerfoot Blackwell and, and Spezza. You move Kasha up to the second line. Or like you said, you completely flip everything around. How's this sound? How's this actually? If I'm Sheldon Keith, maybe this is how I roll out the lineup in game three. You keep bunting Matthews and Marner together. You go uh you could go with Mikhaev, Tavares, Nylander. Engvall, Kasha, or yeah, Engvall, Camp, Kasha, 
because that had some success early in the season two before the injuries started to kind of percolate there. And then you could go with, uh, end up going with Blackwell, Kerfoot, Spezza. What do you think? The only thing I would maybe have considered changing is putting Kasha on the second line and then moving Mikheyev down. Because we've seen Kasha, Tavares, and, and Neil. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah, you could do that too. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, the next question from Brit M13. Speaking of the second line, are you worried about $11 million man, John Tavares, the captain of your Toronto Maple Leafs? Tony, putting you on the spot here, pal. I don't know if I'm worried about him. I would like to see him kind of get something going offensively. He He's... The playoffs of the time for that John Tavares's goals are supposed to be where he's able to do it. It's supposed to be those gritty, ugly goals in front of the net. It's supposed yeah. to be the goal that where he kind of recovers the rebound and just throws it on net and it goes in. So the playoffs is time for John Tavares's goal scoring to shine because that's what he does. We haven't seen it yet. Now, thankfully, we have seen Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews go off. Michael Bunting got on the board today, and you're starting to see guys do it. But I think if you can get Tavares going – with how, how much success Toronto's seen in, let's say, five out of the six periods or even four, four out of the six periods so far through these two games, I think if you get that that second line going with Tavares, you become a much scarier team in a team that you go from going, okay, we feel good after game two, even despite that loss to a team that you're going, okay, game three, we really put them on their heels. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Even on the, there was somebody mentioned something I thought was interesting on the power play. Uh, I, I, I apologize if you're listening. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter said, for the six on four, I would put Engvall net front over John Tavares. What do you think about that? Because I thought that that was the one time where JT looked dangerous in net was on the power play net front. He had a couple of opportunities where he was just kind of tipping, had a couple of tips. And then the one where uh, I can't recall who passed it. I think maybe it was Mitch kind of passed it to him right in front and he got a shot on goal. That was really the lone time that I thought he looked dangerous was, was really on the power play net front, but the five on five plays got it. That's got to improve. Like the man makes him $11 million. Like let's, Cost, I mean, I don't think we need to necessarily treat him with baby hands here. Yeah. I really like we can't. The guy makes too much money, and I hate that you have to bring the money element into it. But the reason why you know this team isn't able to go out and get a, a competent backup, let's say, or allowed to get more depth is because he's making so much money, and not just him, obviously, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, but those guys are at least pulling their weight. You know, Tavares not quite doing that. Um, and, and that's why he's the one who's kind of at this point looks like to be a bit of a whipping boy through the first couple of games of the series. He's got time to turn it around. And I'll be curious to see what type of stuff, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe decides to do to try and get that done. Maybe the Tavares Mikheyev uh, magic that we saw towards the end of the not even magic, but like they were mm-hmm. fine. Um, they weren't a detriment. Um, maybe that's starting to wear off and now is like you said, Tony, the time to reunite Tavares and Nylander back together. One final question here. This one comes from Canadian Ranger. How do you think the series is going to go headed back to Tampa for the next two when the Leafs don't have the line matching capabilities because that is in the hands of John Cooper. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the, the part that stings about losing the home ice advantage is that you almost have to win one of the two. Like, you can't go back to Toronto down three uh, one. I, I you can't do that. So the Leafs haven't been too bad when like they. This is where I think having guys you know spread on the lineup a bit helps with those matchups. Um, like, like I don't know. It, other than the fourth line, I don't think there's a line that John Cooper can really pick on in terms of the matchups. But yeah, you still. I, I just think in in general, like this is where I think Game Three is going to be so crucial for the Leafs, just because Tampa will smell blood if they win Game Three. Well, that and uh, Tampa. I don't know if you know this. Uh, they've won 15 straight games in a row after a loss. So if you lose game three at some point to win the series, you do got to win back-to-back games. It's been virtually impossible the last three years against this squad. So uh, game three near must win, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you, your hope is to obviously win both games. But I think you're you're feeling pretty good about yourself if you come home with a game three win and you have a tough loss in game four again because – if you can get that home ice at back, you can show that you can win in Tampa. That's going to be big for the series. And I think this is going to be a long series. These are two of the two best teams in the entire league. The divisional format is just wonderful in that way. So it, it it's one of those things where I think realistically, like you can't expect to win both of those games, but you come back with the series tied still and you're down to a three game series. And I think Toronto, they've shown that they're, they're going to fight back in every game. So you can't really count them out and, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond down in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, Dave, we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow when we do our preview show. But I guess, uh, Tony, since we have you here, you know, how important do you think that that late kind of comeback was to kind of reinstill confidence in this group? Like if this game would have ended 5-1, 6-1, I think there would have been a little bit more of a sour taste in their mouths than the way it did with a 5-3, and they really pushed towards the end to try and tie it late. Yeah, like I said, they, they were probably the better team in this in these two games for five of the six periods, and it was really the second period tonight that killed them. But you you look at the goals that they scored today, that, that last goal by Marner where there was just a ton of really good play between everybody on the ice, and then the shorthanded goal I think is the really big one, the Kerfoot goal where Brody curled back and sent a pass to him, and he was able to beat Vasilevsky. Oh, a little hat tip to Brody, by the way, on that. Yeah, and, play. and that's just it. I think that play itself was a really big thing for the Leafs because even though their power play, or their penalty kill did get kind of abused a little bit tonight by Tampa's lethal power play. They still went, oh, but we still got this in our back pocket. And yeah, yeah they scored three goals, but they're only plus two on the power play. Like that, that's as much as it doesn't seem like a good thing. The fact that they got that shorthanded goal, I think still puts Tampa on their heels a little bit, knowing that, hey, Toronto scored as many shorthanded goals in this series almost as we've scored power play goals. And that's going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. That is very true. Uh, all right. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us. We'll definitely have to get you back on again before the series uh, is is over with. And and hopefully, you know, the Maple Leafs do end up kind of pulling through. You know, I I, I, I had hope going into the season. Uh, I had hope going into the playoffs. I still have hope going into game three, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us, though, today, bud. 
Yeah, no, anytime, boys. And it's going to be nice when we're able to kind of talk about the uh, conference final series where Freddie Anderson's our biggest enemy and we worry about him. No, no, no. <laughs> Peter Kochikov or whatever the hell that guy's name is. That's who it's going to uh, be. Peter. Freddie, no, because it has to be that Freddie. It's the most least thing to happen is you get to the conference finals and your goalie from last year is the, the guy standing in your way. First it's Freddie, then it's Nazem. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, could you imagine? Oh, the oh drama. <laughs> the drama. Um, since we absolutely pooed on Wayne Simmons throughout this entire podcast, uh, I do want to point out that he was the King Clancy uh, nominee for the Maple yes. Leafs. <laughs> so also congratulations, uh, Wayne, for that. Um, hopefully you go out there and you win it. Uh, <laughs> but you didn't play well today. You didn't play like a king today. You played more like a pawn, not going to lie. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for us today, boys. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. And follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube as well for the video uh, portion. Once you get to a 1,000, Tony, we're doing a giveaway too. So for everyone out there, we're at what, about 650? 650-ish. So it's our road to a 1,000 once we get there doing a giveaway so go ahead subscribe leave comment below also letting us know your thoughts about tonight's game uh and tony why don't you tell the good folks where they can find uh your content yeah you can find most of my work at the hockey news and sports illustrated all the hockey stuff i'd have there there's tons of world under 18 coverage and the my videos are starting back up so there'll be tons of videos on youtube there as well and and they'll be on the hockey news website as well beautiful beautiful all right, that's going to do it for us here today. We'll be, me and uh, Dave will be back with another preview episode tomorrow ahead of Game 3. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked